Again, appreciate the good singing this morning. That's where you'll find me one day, touring that great city. We've been talking on uh, Wednesday nights. We started on our last article, and it's uh, of the end and of the world to come. And um, I said that Brother Joe says a lot in his Sunday school class, and that's the way I feel too, that, that, that I know just enough to know and realize that I don't know much. Um, and when it comes to the end, there's a lot of different theories and a lot of different speculations. And, and when it comes to heaven even, there's a lot of different views on it. And, and uh, I'll just say this. Um, I don't know exactly how it'll be, but it'll be good. Amen. There's going to be, as we sang a while ago, a reunion that takes place. It's an old song that says, I'll step off into a sea of white. And that's exactly the way it'll be. Everybody clothed in linen, clean and white. That's the righteousness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And uh, and I don't know exactly how heaven will be. Um, But I'm not, it's not that I'm excited about going to heaven as much as I'm excited about going to Him. The one who died for me. That's where I'm going. Wherever He takes us, that's where we'll go. And so as um, we have that promise, uh, He said for... And He even prayed in the garden. Uh, he prayed unto the Father, Lord, just let Him be with me where I am. I'm excited about that. I'm, we're finally going to get to see Him uh, as, uh, as He really is. Here we see through a glass, the Bible says, darkly, but then face to face. Then all things, maybe, that, that we struggled with and didn't understand why, I believe there'll be some things revealed unto us. And I believe we'll be able to say glory, glory to the Lamb. I love Him this morning. Uh, he's done more for me than any man or ever could. And I'm thankful that I know Him as a Savior and as a friend. Is there anything on your heart before we go further in this service? I'd ask you to pray for me. I've sort of struggled with uh, what to preach this week, and, and maybe I finally settled on something. In Acts chapter number 2, it's a very familiar Scripture. Um, Acts chapter number 2, if you want to read along. <clears throat> I would encourage you to uh, listen, and and, uh, and I don't know how, how long we'll preach. We'll try to be brief, but um, maybe it's a day that you just need to... I like it when people say, Brother Benji, I need to testify. That, um, when God knocks, that's when we ought to do it. But I just listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, starting in Acts chapter 2, verse number 14. It says, But Peter, standing up with the eleven... This is a lot of reading lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing as it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. 
and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will see wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by Him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain whom God hath raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with, him, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Set thou on my right hand until I make the foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words that he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received this word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I've been thinking this week just about one word, um, and that word is promise. And I don't know how many promises there are in the Word of God, but, but hundreds, maybe thousands. I've never really researched that. Uh, very much, but uh, but as I thought about the promise and and, uh, and 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 all the promises that uh, that we sang about while ago, when uh, we sang about uh, stepping out into that river so wide, and and we've got a promise there that if we've been born again, that uh, that we're not going to make that crossing. That uh, that the Bible says that uh, in the twenty-third Psalms, the angel I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, 
I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And so we have that promise that, uh, that God will be with us, even as Jesus, right before He ascended, He said, Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth, or the end of the world, the end of the age, which tells us that, uh, that, that He will be present in form of the Holy Ghost from now until the very end. And so we have that promise that rings true. But in that day, it was uh, it was about 50 days after the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for 40 days, He walked with them and He would appear to the disciples after He rose from the dead. And He would instruct them and have meals with Him. And He was instructing them on and he said before he left, he said that I'm going to give you a promise. He said, I've got to go to the Father. But when I go back to the Father, I'll send the Comforter. I'll send the Holy Ghost. And he gave those disciples or apostles instructions to tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And so they were instructed. But they didn't just sit around waiting. See, that tends to be the problem with the Lord's church today. We we sit around and we say we're helpless without the power of God. And that's true. Without the power and Spirit of God, we just as well go back home because nothing will happen here that's worth anything without the Holy Ghost getting involved. But it's not for us just to stand and to wait. Those apostles, what did they do? They were in prayer. They were in the Scripture. They were talking about the Psalms. They were talking about the prophecy. How that when Judas fell, that there must be one to rise up and take the place as an apostle. And they laid their hands on two and asked God which man He choose. And God chose His man. And so they weren't just sitting around waiting for the Spirit to move. And that's now that seems to be the problem today. We we tend to sit around and say, well, we'll just wait upon the Lord. But it's how we're waiting on Him that makes all the difference in the world. If we're just waiting and doing nothing, then I'll say we'll be waiting for quite some time. But if we're waiting in anticipation and hoping with that lively living hope, you see, when we come to God's house, we need to come with an expectation of blessings that are going to be poured out. I tell you, you today how the promises of God in Jesus Christ are yea and amen according to the Apostle Paul. And so he had to promise to wait for the movement and the Holy Ghost that would come. And as these apostles were gathered together at the feast called Pentecost, it happened 50 days after the Passover. So we assume 50 days had went by. The last time they saw their Lord, He was rising up on a cloud, the Bible says, and they gazed up into the heavens. I believe they expected Him to come back right then, or really soon. But the angels told the apostles, "Ye men of Galilee, why? Stand ye gazing up into the heavens, for this same Jesus that was taken from you shall show, shall show come in like manner as you've seen him leave. 
2,000 years have went by since that promise. And people according to the Gospel of Peter have begun to say where is the promise of His coming. For since our fathers fell asleep, we've heard that He's coming. I'll say to you this morning, that promise is still a promise. He is still coming. I don't know much about the end times. I told them Wednesday night I've not dealt a lot of my time and ministry and effort into trying to figure that out. I know a little bit. I know just enough to know that I don't know much as I said a while ago. But I will say this to you this morning. It is surely going to come at some point or another. And I've always seemed to find, and I said Wednesday night, I believe it's going to get a lot worse. And so I believe it is. But I would forewarn you, I've always thought that when it starts to fall, it's going to fall fast. Now we saw two and a half years ago how we were at church one Sunday and the next Sunday the whole world had shut down and the whole world had stopped. I say that unto you today uh, to say that things can happen and the world can change quickly. Uh, we can wake up one day this week and be in a world war uh, where every nation has uh, nuclear weapons. I'm telling you, it can change quickly. And I'm telling you that promise is still a promise that there's coming a day uh, when that same Jesus, uh, glory to God, it's the very same Jesus is going to come for His own. I'm telling you that, that according to the Apostle Paul, he calls it the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we have that promise. We have that promise I helped in the funeral down here Friday. And people were burying a loved one. It was a wife and a mother and a sister and a grandmother and so forth. And I've been to countless graveyards. I've seen the pain on the faces of the people. I've seen the tears. I've seen the hurt in their eyes. But as you witnessed a while ago, there is also for the child of God an expectation of great joy that is going to come one day after a while. It's a promise we have. And that promise rings true. But I said I've not devoted a lot of my time and effort into studying the end. I've tried to make it my ministry down here to try and prepare a people for that day. And so I would warn you today that that day is coming. That day is approaching planet earth. And Peter was there with the apostles probably still in that upper room. And the Bible says the sound of a rushing mighty wind. There was a spirit that began to fill that place. I believe the house shook. I believe the glory of God came down. I believe that promise that he, that he told them about. Now wait for the promise until you be endued with power from on high. And then once that happens, you go into every nation and preach the Gospel of Jesus Christ and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. So there they were in this upper room, gathered together in one mind and in one accord, bowed together in prayer, not just waiting upon God, but calling upon God, calling upon God in prayer, studying His Holy Scripture. That's how we wait upon God. Not just doing nothing, but doing something like that. And so the Bible says the Holy Ghost fell. And men begin to speak. And men begin to preach. And there were Jews there from all, all parts of the known world. They had come to this feast. 
that Moses had taught them thousands of years earlier in the wilderness. And as they were there, they heard every man speak in their own language. And they were amazed. And they were shook. And they said, how can this be? And one simply said, these men are full of new wine. Now of all people, of all people, it was Peter who 50 days prior had stepped out and denied our Lord. But it was Peter that was filled with the Holy Ghost and God endued him with power. And Peter stood and he began to preach, men and brethren, these are not drunk as you suppose. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning, he said, the third hour of the day. He said, but this is the promise that Joel said that would come in the last days that the Spirit of God would be poured out upon His people. Are you thankful for the Spirit this morning? Amen. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for the Holy Ghost. It's the, you can't be saved without Him. He first is a convictor. He said He will reprove men of sin and of judgment and of righteousness. And so first He is a convictor. And we saw as Peter began to preach, He preached unto them about the coming Messiah. He preached unto them, and every ear listened, He preached unto them about the promise that God said would come in the form of a Son of God. And they all listened. But then he got down to the part. He said, that man is Jesus Christ whom you have crucified by wicked hands. That hit home to them. They understood. The Bible said they were pricked in their heart. That's the first job of the Holy Spirit. is there to convict. I heard a man say, or read his saying one time, he said, a lot of times we try. And we try and we try. But he said it's like taking a piece of thread and trying to sew open or sew shut a wound. He said you can't do anything with that thread. That thread is the gospel. That thread is the law. But that thread has no power except there be a piercing needle attached to it. And when that piercing needle goes through, it'll pierce and it'll puncture. And then after that, you draw that scarlet thread of the gospel. Right through that place. And that's the way it is. Hey, see, you can't heal somebody that's not sick. You can't, uh, you can't, you can't help somebody if they don't want help. And you can't be saved unless you're lost. I know we live in a day of easy believism. I still believe your heart must be free. That's not taught us today. What else ain't taught much today? It's repentance. We hear a lot on faith. And you can't have salvation without faith. But first, you must repent. Repentance and faith are they're inseparable. In other words, there cannot be one without the other. And so these men were pricked in their heart just like you was when God let you know you were lost. And maybe somebody here this morning is going to feel that for the first time. I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you today. And maybe some of you have been seeking for a while and haven't found relief yet. I have good news for you. That needle, that law of God has pierced you. And it's cut you to the heart. They were pricked in their heart. And they were guilty of crucifying the Lord. Now, do you know you had a hand in that too? So did I. It was our sins. It was for our sins that He died. 
And so we didn't swing the hammer. Uh, we didn't thrust him through his side. Uh, but we are as guilty as if we did. It was our sins. You see, you can't help it. You can't help it. You were born into a world cursed with sin. We don't die because of what we did. We die because we're born into sin. And there's no hope without the Gospel. There's no hope without Jesus. There's no hope. But we've got a promise. He said, you crucified the Lord. I thought about that a little bit this week. The crucifying of Jesus Christ. What a thought that is. What a topic that is. From time to time, when God helps me to preach on the death, burial, and resurrection of His Son. What a topic. That is the Gospel. That is the hope. I want to encourage you today. I know how the devil operates. I know how he works on the mind. But I also know the graces of the Holy Ghost. And so while Peter was saying, you're now pricked in your heart. You realize the guilt of denying Jesus. You realize how guilty you are. And they said, what shall we do? And he said, repent. That was the first thing he said. Repent. You must repent. Now, lots of people want salvation, but they don't want to let go of that sinful life. You must give it all up and completely surrender your will to His. But I want to encourage you today. What are you talking about? A promise. Do you hear what Peter said? He said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that's a promise to you today. A dear sinner friend, that's a promise. Uh, Peter went on. I just say this promise isn't just for you, uh, but it's for your children and to all of them that are afar off. That promise, church, is to you. Lost sinner, uh, that promise is to you uh, that when your heart is pricked, uh, that promise is to you uh, that you don't have to die lost. You don't have to go to hell. Uh, you don't have to suffer. That promise is unto you that He will save you. He is the God of salvation. The Bible says He came into this world to save sinners. And so that's good news for you. That's good news for the world today. And anybody that will take it and grasp it and believe it by faith that Jesus Christ died for our sins. He died to pay our sin debt. But it doesn't stop there. I'm thankful that there is no remission or no forgiveness of sins without the death and the blood of our Lord poured out on Calvary's hill. Now there can be no forgiveness except for that. But it doesn't stop there. It said He was slain for our sins. But He was raised again. For our justification. Uh, you see, when He rose from the dead and He rose from the grave, now that means I'm not only forgiven, I'm justified. I'm justified and just in the sight of God. I'm no longer a sinner, even though I still sin. I'm clothed with the righteousness and the blood of our Lord and Savior, and Jesus Christ. And so when the time comes, either I'm going to cross that Jordan River, either I'm going to cross in the death, I tell you what, when, the, when, when Joshua went to leave this earth, do you know what he said? God had told Joshua, in maybe the first chapter of Joshua, Moses is dead. Moses is dead, Joshua. That great leader... 
that led them out of slavery, that led them out of Egypt, and that led them 40 years through the wilderness journey, that great man is dead. He said, but now, now I'm going to lay my hand on you. I'm glad the work doesn't stop when the man of God leaves. There's another one coming along. I'm glad the church doesn't stop when you leave this earth, but you must pass it on to your children. That's who the promise is to you and your children. If you want your children to be saved, a preacher, I, I, sometimes God will. I know I don't know about you, but I've uh, I've been praying before, and I've had I, I've not had a lot, but there have been times I've been under burdens for people. I mean, heavy burdens, like I was lost again myself. But it wasn't for me. But I would weep, I'd go before the Lord and weep, and then all of a sudden, the prayer was answered that they're going to be okay. And so you take God at His Word. You might not live to see it. But if God's made you that promise, you can hold on to what He said. Ten years went by before this girl ever stood and said, I got saved. But you know when she dated it too? About the time that burden left me. God does reveal things from time to time to His people by way of the Spirit. And He told Joshua, Moses is dead. But I'm going to lay my hand on you. I'm going to magnify you in the sight of all these people. And you, Joshua, are going to lead these people into the promised land. It was a land of promise. But they had to fight to take it. And that's the way it is in this life. We have promises that God has made unto us and to our children. But in order to inherit the blessed promise, we must fight for it. And we must take it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Joshua didn't go into Jericho in his own power, but it was the power of that captain of the host. And it said, take your shoes off, Joshua. You're standing on holy ground. He said, I'll go before you. I'll be as a hornet. And I'll drive the inhabitants right out of that land. But you must fight for it. And so our inheritance will fall to us. But there are parts about it we must contend for. And we must fight for. If we want to have anything left to hand down. If we want to hand down that blessed promise. Children, you listen to me. Little ones, you lay your eyes and ears upon me for just a minute. There's going to come a day. I don't know when it'll happen. There's going to come a day when you're going to feel a tug at your little heart. You're going to feel a knocking. You're going to feel an uneasiness. You know what that is? That's conviction. That's being pricked in the heart. Knowing that you're lost. You listen to me. If you never ever listen to me, you listen right now. When that happens, you don't hesitate and you find you an altar and you begin to call out to Him. And whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, I thought about and I've been reading and studying a little bit. Uh, the, there's a lot of people that went to God with much less than that. Uh, the people of Nineveh, when Jonah preached, Nineveh's going to be overthrown in 40 days. You know what happened? They repented. They wept. They covered themselves in sackcloth and ashes. I'm talking from the king on the throne to the maidservant in the middle. 
They had no promise. All they had was the king said, Who can tell? Who can tell whether God will turn away His wrath? And so he went to God on nothing but a who can tell. You understand that? No promise. Just who can tell. And that's what he went to God on. Nothing but who can tell. There are other men and women in the Bible who went on far less than we have to go on today. Had the lost prodigal, the prodigal son, he had no promise that the father would receive him. Oh, he thought among himself, he repented, he was depending on the father's goodness and his mercy and his grace, but he had no promise. What do you mean by all this? You have a promise that whosoever Cause on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You have a promise that if you come to me, I will in no wise cast out. What does that mean to you? That means not one person that dies lost and goes to hell if they were able to be interviewed. Not one of them could say, I went to him and he refused me. Not one. He can't. He won't. He's bound to his own word. And he is unchangeable. So you come to God today with an advantage they never had. You come with a promise that He will save you. Come to Him like that. He will save you. That's the promise. We've got a lot of promises. We've got a promised land that we sang about earlier. Those of us who have been born again, we've got a promise. My daddy's going to have surgery this Friday. I don't know how that's going to happen. I don't know how that's going to turn out. But one thing I know, he's been saved by the grace of God. And if God should take him from this life, there'll be a day, glory to God, I'll see him again. I'm telling you that promise. We heard shouting over in this way a while ago. Why? Because sometimes that promise excites us to the point that we get happy. You can depend on the promises. And Peter said this promise is unto you. And that means it's yours to claim. I'm not preaching a claim of salvation or an easy believism, but I am preaching when you're pricked in the heart, you can come to God with a promise. That He will save you. He will not turn you away. So why ain't I been saved yet, preacher? I don't know. What advice can you give me? Just turn it all over to Him. Yield your life unto Him. Repent. 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 He will give you that grace of repentance. Preacher, He hasn't gave it to me yet. I'd begin to call out unto Him. He hadn't dealt with my heart in a long time, preacher. I'd begin to cry out I'd begin to cry out right now. Some of you, when I first started, I used to see a Bible. I've not seen it in a long time. I've not seen it since the first few months I've been here. Now, what happened? Has something happened to you? Is there something that you need to tell? Now, you see, that promise is also unto you. And if you've been saved, that promise is to you. You can tell what He does. You can be baptized just as they were here. Are you ashamed? Are you just not sure? Or has nothing ever happened? That's the only that's the only options that there can be. Either you were saved. If you were saved, I'd encourage you to stand up and claim that promise of a blood bought life. If nothing's happened to you, I'd encourage you to find your place and begin to call out upon the one 
who died for you. He's the only one that can save you. But the good news of the promise is whosoever will be saved. You understand that? He said as many as are afar off, the promise is also to them. In the uttermost parts of the earth, not just the Jews at Jerusalem, but us today in America, in a Gentile nation, that promise is still to us today and to our children. We've got to fight for it. But it's a promise. And the Bible says that Abraham received that promise and it was accounted unto him for righteousness because he believed when God told him. And it was accounted to him. He made that promise to Abraham. And Abraham now stands as the father of the faith. And so we, like Abraham, have received a promise. And that promise is, because I live, he said, Jesus said this, because I live you shall live also. And see, when He rose from the grave, that had never happened before and ain't going to happen next. He rose from the grave. He is the first fruit of them that slept. He rose from the dead to die no more. Now death has no more dominion over Him. The Bible says, I have conquered death, hell, and the grave. The Bible says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I'm alive forevermore. What does that have to do with us, preacher? It's a good question. The Apostle Paul answers that in his epistles. You see, it's by faith. When Jesus Christ rose from the dead, also everyone who should believe on Him down through time, we have resurrected Already with a new life. With an inward life. With a Spirit-filled life. It's the outpouring of the Spirit that Joe said that Peter preached. And it's the same Spirit that's poured out today. The problem is we don't step up and claim the promises that God has given us. Or, we don't, or we're not willing to fight for them. When I cross, I said, well, I go, I've got a promise. That when I come to the end of my way, I've got a promise did that cry? I don't know how. It might be an easy crossing. It might be very hard and painful. I might be languishing on a bed of sickness. I might go like a thief in the night all at once. I don't know how it'll be. But I know this. That one day I shall be changed from this vile creature. That I One day I'll be changed. And so will you, brethren and sisters that have been saved. We're going to be changed. You see, we said in Sunday school, Diane told a story, and I'll not repeat it, but it was basically summed up in this. We're not home here, and we're not. This ain't my home. I'm just a pilgrim, as Hebrews says. I'm just passing through. I'm here today, and I'm gone tomorrow. But I'm not gone. I'm just relocated. I'm just in another land, in a better land, in the glory land. And so one day I shall be changed. And this mortal body that you see with all my faults and all my failures and all my struggles and all my pain and all that I've endured shall be changed into a glorious body like unto His. And there will be called up with Him and them. For Thessalonians says, all that believe in God shall He bring with Him. We're going to meet Him one day. Boy, that's a promise. It's a promise I cling to. It's a promise I hold to. It's a promise that because I was born again, there are two reasons that promise is real to me. The first 
is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the second is the night that He pricked my heart. I repented and was born again. By those two things, I have the promise of eternal life. Do you have that promise today? It's out there for you. For you and your children, mamas and daddies, have you wept over your children? You've got a promise that God made to you that this promise is for them as well as you. It's for them. I'm telling you, we're in trouble as a society. We're in trouble as a nation. I think so many times it's, it's an America that I don't recognize any longer. I think about the days, and I'm, I'm going to hush. But I think about the days growing up. I didn't have a fear. I mean, we, we, we rode our bicycles, Mom, and say, stay off the highway. And she'd go to work, and we'd head for the highway. And we'd ride from Buckhouse and Acresville to Gamale, down through Winkler's everywhere. And people would see us, tell on us, tell Mom we'd get in trouble. And she'd go to work the next day, and we'd do the same thing. And sometimes we'd load our bicycles in strangers' trucks. You say, Preacher, that wasn't smart. You could do it in that day. It changed. It changed. But the promise is still the same. The promise is still the same. That if we want it bad enough, that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble... Oh, we need that. I was joking with you about being humble earlier. But I'll say that we need to be humble. And God can humble us. Well, humble Himself and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. That's a promise. The promises are scattered from Genesis to Revelation. In Genesis chapter 3, a promise of a coming seed. In Matthew chapter 1, that promise was fulfilled. In Revelation, as it closes out the canon of Scripture, we have a promise. That he that is a thirst, come let him take of the fountain of the water of life freely. Even so come, Lord Jesus. We've got a promise. He is going to come. He's coming again. Are you ready? See, there's going to be a day of separation. That separation occurs at the cross. Either you're going to the right, either you're a sheep or you're a goat. There ain't no other option. Which are you today? If you're a goat... You have the promise. You can be a sheep before this hour of service is spoken. Why don't you come? Is he dealing with you? Why don't you come if we have a song and sing?